Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and happy new year to you all. Welcome to another edition of City A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Rivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> happy New Year, Frank. How are we doing? We're good. We're good. Holidays are over. Getting back, slowly working my way back into the daily grind that is uh life. Um, you know, I think I had the perfect amount of time off from work. Is kind of the way I did. We started. Yeah. We were closed on Fe- December twenty second. I think it took me three days of vacation just to be off through New Year's Day, and that was the perfect amount of time. Perfect amount of time. Do some cleaning and reorganizing around the house. Enjoy the holidays. Take the kids to things. Um, uh, you know, and then you finally just get to a point where I got to yesterday, and I just said, "Yeah, I'm ready to go back." So yeah, no. Um, how was I'm your listening. New Year's? I'm with you. Yeah, uh, well, New Year's, Christmas, everything was all good. Uh, I had a week off of work as well, and and I had two days of travel in between that, so it was nice to have just that week. And then now, yeah, like you, ready to get back. It was all good. Weather's good. Uh, just uh, yeah, ready. Surprisingly, ready to go back to work today. And uh, as much as I today owed it, you know, despised that, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be back again. So you know, yep. it's all good. Yep, absolutely. So ah you know i'm not a big new year's resolution guy um but uh, i am not drinking tonight uh so and that might be a pattern here it's not i'm not doing a dry january um i'm gonna do the best i can to just have it like maybe just one night a week where i can enjoy okay a beverage that that might not last um <laughs> but uh you know just trying to trying to do something uh you yeah. know kind of get things going i joined a gym so I'm looking Good. forward to that, you know, so I've been working out at a gym again. I'm back doing that. The home workouts work, it weren't, weren't cutting it anymore. So it was time to do something. It was time to, time, time to do something. I, I think it's just the convenience of having everything at home, like the, the weights and a, a bike and, I, you know, a couple yeah. of other, couple of other things that we have. And it's just like, eh, I'll get to it. I'll get to Easy it. And then to I go do it. a chore and it's just like, you push it and then you don't do it. Where you, Jim when you go to a gym, you got to get off your ass and you got to drive somewhere. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm here, exactly. Might as well, might as well put in a workout. So exactly. exactly. You know, it's, just, it's kind of that, that, that's my kind of my line of thinking on that stuff. And you know, others might say, no, I love working out at home because I don't, you know, want to deal with being intimidated by other people's workouts or that sort of thing. And God bless you. That's your thing. But I just was like, yeah, I, I think I'm motivated if I'm around people that are working out and I see, and I think it's kind of one of those, Oh, you, you're doing that. Well, I can, I can try to do that, but you're also in your twenties. And <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same number of reps with a lot less weight. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but anyway, it's, it's just one of those things, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, hopefully I won't be one of these, people that I used to kind of like look at and laugh at when I used to have a regular gym membership that we'd see them for about the first um, two to three weeks. And then all of a sudden the gym is half empty again. Um, yeah. you know, we'll have to do an update here every couple of weeks on you to see if you're still in the gym. <laughs> I will be. I think I'm going to take this seriously. I'm even considering a person, a personal trainer too. So just trying to find a new line of motivation. So yeah. just seems like Anthony, who's in the chat, by the way, happy new year's. Anthony says he agrees with you as far as, uh, 
not being able to be motivated at home with a gym. So yeah, it's just hard. So yes, it is. Did we publicize this. Anthony's the only guy in here. What happened to everybody else? It's New Year's. Where's, where's Reno? Where's uh? Where's uh? Where's people Apex? are still hungover. You know, he's got to. They'll come in. They're slowly relaxed. They're slowly shaking off the hangover. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's just gonna be Anthony's. Just gonna. It's just gonna be all Anthony. Hey, so usually it's right. fine. I was kidding. <laughs> just fine. That's right. All right. So uh, well, yeah, right we should talk about what we're gonna. T- yeah, we should get to what we're gonna talk about on the yeah. Podcast. The run up for the show tonight. So we're not gonna do too much of the recap of the games. We're gonna do a small recap of the, of the match week eight, match week eighteen games. I do uh, have to ask, by the way, Bart. Pardon, pardon the interruption, but I don't see the rundown. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see yeah. what I did there? I too, oh. I, I too, am also getting <laughs> over my New Year's hangover, and so things are a little bit slower to start off the yeah. season, right? You know, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna have a little rundown of the uh, the match week eighteen. Like I mentioned, quick recap, most more more focusing on Juventus Roma. Uh, then we're gonna get into our awards. We're gonna look at uh, players you ought to know, the youngsters of the season, who you you really should know who they are, and then get to our best eleven. Talk about top managers and, you know, see where we go from there. Probably end with who and couch on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, a lot to get into this uh, this holiday edition, this award edition, uh, mid, mid-season award. Michael Lisi, yes, we saw your tweet. Don't mind that. All right? It's our mid-season awards. We, we decide. Don't be getting all technical on us, Michael. Come on. The, <laughs> mid-season, the mid-season point is this weekend. We're only a few days away. Um, who do you think you are, Orsato? Come on, Michael. Jeez. <laughs> Somewhere Juve got a penalty. Uh, <laughs> so uh, because of our decision to do our midseason now instead of everybody else is going to do it yeah. next week. That's just the other thing. We'll just be ahead of everybody as we there normally are with a lot of players. So, there you go. And, and comments. So, yeah. So, um, and I guess it's a great time to do it because apparently the our City Odd teams didn't want to score a lot this weekend. Actually, oh. It's actually kind of an interesting thing. Goals are way down this year. Um, we've had 180 games and only 446 goals. That is just under two and a half. Wow. Um, I mean, we were at, we had some years here where we were well over three. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. you know, so uh, I think that's a product of some of these teams, you know, improving themselves tactically. You still got some pretty bad teams out there. You still got some teams that are probably a little bit in and over their head. Um, yeah. but you're seeing, much more rigid tactical approaches on the peninsula than you might be seeing in other places. It might also be a product, Richard. And we'll talk about it. We'll get in the Juventus Roma game here in a minute. And I guess I guess since I brought this up, we'll talk about it now. And you don't have the you don't have the thing up. So um we're just gonna jump around on jump around <laughs> topic to topic on this today. Yeah. Yeah. Um so i I think it speaks to you know just an extended amount of fixture pileup over the years now. Um, ever since COVID and return to play, you know, and things like that. And, and there, there've been some breaks for the players and that sort of thing, but nothing that had been significant in the past, you know, and now you've got players that are going to be off to AFCON um, and uh, that coming up. So that's going to affect squads. Uh, so that's going to affect squad depth. You've got teams that are dealing with multitude of injuries that they're probably not being able to, to, to perform at the, at the peak that they want to some teams that had to go through some managerial changes, you know, and things like that. There's a myriad of reasons, but the goals are down. Um, I don't think that's a permanent trend. I think that's going to be a blip. Um, You know, I think eventually as, 
you know, over the long run, as players are going to start to have a chance to recover, we're going to get back to kind of seeing the high twos uh, to three, a little over three goals a game average. But uh, uh, it certainly concerns certainly concerns me that the goals are down on yeah. average as, as compared to years past. Yeah, like I said, I think a lot of it has to do. It's a, a multitude of reasons. Um, f- compiling of the of the fixtures, like you said, injuries has been a big play into this. Uh, you know, and and really, it's just also some players are getting found out, right? Like Cavada, he's one of them. The players are starting to understand what kind of play he st- what kind of style he plays, and so try to counteract that. It's a little bit of everything in this, and um, you know, so with the five substitutions, you got a lot of like a lot of um, rotation going on. So. Sure. You know, it's a, it's a multitude of things, but I think overall it will, it will go back up, uh, no doubt about it. That might go way up during the AFCON, but uh, yeah, we'll see here. But it should be interesting, uh, interesting month, no doubt about it. Yep, definitely. Um, so let's uh, we talk about two teams that are probably primary reasons for goals being down in Serie A this season, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Juventus and Roma. Yeah, uh, interesting game. Uh, the marquee game of the weekend, no doubt about it. This is Juventus hosting Roma. Uh, starting 11 for Roma, or excuse me, for the host uh, Juventus. You had obviously Chesney and goal. Back three of Danilo, Bremer, Gatti. Midfield five of Kostic, Rabio, Locatelli, McKinney, and Weya with Yildiz, Keenan Yildiz, and Dusan Vlahovic up top. Uh, the youngster getting another start in this one. Uh, Yildiz, is, uh, he he was excellent in his first, his first game and getting the goal that one. And this game too, I think he he did very well. I think uh, this is a certainly a, a stable lineup, and he it, when Kies is not in the lineup, I think Yildiz brings enough that uh, it doesn't seem like they miss him too much. Obviously, he's he's a super super talented player, but Yildiz he's he's coming to his own. He's still a teenager. So thoughts on the Juventus lineup? Um, I mean, pretty much expected. Um, Yildiz, it's an interesting thing with teenage players, you know, and player, you know, there's. They go one of two ways in this league. Either they they have no idea what they're getting into, and they and, and their naivete is either uh, a positive for them or it's a negative. Yeah. Um. You know, it could be, hey, I I really don't know what the expectations are, the pressure, the pace, that sort of thing. I'm just going to go out and play my game and and play loose and enjoy it. And you know, this young man seems to be doing that. You know, and you've got other guys who just it's the, the moment and the opportunity. They're not ready for it. It's way too big for them. And we've seen that happen probably more often than we've seen the former and what Yildiz is doing so far. Yep. Um, I, I liked I liked the performance. I liked the shift that he put in. Um, you know, was in, decent on the dribble, can go at people, wasn't afraid to go at people, wasn't afraid that that was, you know, Gianluca Mancini, who's a card waiting to happen for a bad foul. Um and, you know, he just said, you know, I'm going to go at these guys and I'm just going to go out and attack it. And I think that that's a positive way to do it. Yeah, 100% agree about that. Uh, certainly a, a good lineup for them. Um, looking at the the visitor side, Roma, in goal, Rui Patricio, back three of Indica, Llorente, and Mancini with a midfield five of Zalewski, Bove, Paredes, Cristante, and Christensen with uh, Lukaku and Dybala. Uh, starting 11 there, fairly standard. I think it was um, always interested to see how Dybala would do against his former team. Dybala has been excellent, you know, this season when he's played. Uh, he's only played like 12 games in, in this season. Uh, and also Bove, could he continue on his fine form this year uh, and build on it against a strong, stout defense that is Juventus? Um, rock fight A versus rock fight B, two teams who love to do rock fights uh, to see who would win out. And both teams would like to give up possession, really. Had to have, someone had to have possession in this game, Frank. But thoughts on Roma starting 11? 
I think you had to expect that this was going to be a rock fight when you see these two teams, you yep. see their styles and the way they play. I mean, Bonetti said it right off the bat in the telecast. He says, these are two teams that don't like to have the ball. So somebody's yep. going to have to have the ball here. Um, you know, if I'm Roma, the home team tends to dictate the way they want to play. And Juve is going to let you have the ball. Mm-hmm. I would have started Pellegrini. Um, and I probably would have started him over either Bove or Cristante. I think I would have gone, I would, I, I would have, but this is just me. And this is just my I'm wild thing that it was just like, I think I'm going to have more of the ball than Juventus is. I want to play Pellegrini from the start and I want to bring in Cristante later in the game. I want to see if I can pin Juve back, put some pressure on him, not just have Dybala who can provide some creativity in a higher position, but Pellegrini who can provide some creativity in a midfield position. Marino just doesn't roll that way. Um, You know, and he just says, you know what, we're going to just, we're going to dogfight with these guys. We're going to rock fight with these guys, you know, over the course of 90 minutes, we're going to get our chances through specific players. We're not going to do it with having a multitude of playmakers out there. We're going to do it through winning through the midfield, trying to, and, and trying to get forward. And uh, see if we can get our chances uh, going from there. So if if it's me, Pellegrini over Cristante, just because I know I'm going to have more of the ball and I want to be able to dictate that, and I want to be able to have uh, the playmaking in in various in 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 more than one position, yeah. uh, where I can try to see if I could pull Juve loose a little bit here. Well, your boy, Brian Crisante, tried to loosen up the defense there with a wonderful shot in the fourth minute of the game. Hits the post, yeah. uh, first post of the game there for, for Roma. Uh, this game, uh, first half, uh, was a rock fight, but it was an entertaining rock fight, I thought. Uh, good opportunities going both ways in this game, I think. Dybala had a good, great opportunity early on. Vlahovic mm-hmm. as well. The first real great chance of the game happened around the 19th, 18th, 19th minute where Vlahovic gets a, at the end of a ball, takes a shot. Mancini comes diving and makes a great save. Uh, I think uh, Rui Pachister probably would have had it as well. But, you know, so really well, great job done by uh, Mancini to make a save there. Um, and overall, I think uh, the first half was pretty, pretty good. Um, the Obviously, the highlight for me, and I don't know what your thoughts are in the first half, but, you know, just before halftime, Juve were coming down and loose ball in the box. Kostic gets a great shot at it. It's going past the keeper, but Indica, Evan Indica off the line, play of the week, one of the play of the week nominees right there, uh, just saves it there. Heads up play by Evan Indica. This is kind of defense that we've been hoping to see from him because it's we've mm-hmm. seen the Bundesliga from him in the past. He read this play from the beginning. As soon as he saw the ball go out wide, he knew there's a chance to go by Rui Patricio, so he got behind the keeper and made that great clearance there, keeping it 0-0 at halftime, Frank. That was it kind of summed up the first half of how I thought it was fairly exciting for me, even though it was a rock fight, uh, to go back and forth. And then, you know, just at the end of the first half there, Indica with a great save. Uh, thoughts on the first half and that save? Um, a little more of the ball for Roma, but the better chances for Juventus. Agreed. Um, I think that both teams appeared to try to play through their striker. Um, yep. Well. I think that uh, certainly Juventus was more successful at it. I, I think Roma had a hard time getting Lukaku involved. I think that Bremer had. Did he play? Yeah, he played. <laughs> um, I think Bremer had an awful lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, Gatti as well. And Gatti, yep. But I thought it was a target play masterclass by Dusan Vlaovic in this game. 
uh, not just in the yeah. first half. No. I mean, the hold-up play, you know – what do we say when we talk about the Romanopoly game? Roma's going to try to just kick the crap out of you, okay, yeah. if you've got the ball and, and, and they're anywhere around you. Um, and I thought Vlaovic held up really, really well against that. Didn't go looking for the cheap foul, used his strength, used his attributes. I mean, if you want to be a striker and, you don't, and you're don't, you not blessed with breakaway pace, you know, but you're big and you're strong and you can absorb things <laughs> – Watch Vlaovic in this in this game against Roma. Great example of how to be a target. Yeah. Um, you know, at a high level. And especially with the way Juve play, right? Because I mean that's gonna be he's gonna have to be pivotal. Yeah. He has to get it, he has to hold it because you need that time for Juve to work their way out and establish their shape. Um and he had a great chance off of just completely spinning off the defender. I believe it was Yolrente. Um uh, on that chance in the first half that uh, Patricio was able to save. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the runoffs, uh, good running off the ball by the Juve midfielders once they were able to join up and link up, and it led to the goal. It, it was an example of, of, of the, that kind of play is, was the reason why Juventus scored, which you're going to talk about next, right? Yeah, and I and I, I think you know, kind of going back to the you know the, some other players. I think Vlahovic is only good as his his his, his teammate is compliment, which in this instance would be Yildiz. Uh, we see how well Vlahovic and Chiesa work together. The chemistry there, Yildiz, like you mentioned earlier, you know the naivety of him and just attacking the defenders played a very good compliment to Vlahovic, and it was you know the the the, the stoic poise number nine with a guy who's a bit more fluid who can go in and out and they linked up very well they allowed runners like you mentioned like the midfielders a lot of the first half you saw Weston McKinney cut into the box um and then into the second half as we just you know as you just alluded to uh get out of the gates right away and again coming down the left hand side ball ends up getting the box to Vlahovic makes a wonderful backheel pass to to Adrian Rabiot who towed the line there uh, very close to being offside puts it slots away short side bad goal to give up if you're Rui Patricio one nothing would go to VAR check, but the VAR confirmed he was onside. I think he was onside all the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but a goal of the week candidate right there. Just a wonderful intuitive play by Vlahovic again. A guy, a, a number nine doing what he's supposed to be doing. And then with those, allowing those midfield runners to come because of that hold up play. And then, then you get the goal. Adrian Rabio is having a sensational last two years, really, for Juventus. Uh, he puts the goal away one nothing. At that point, you're looking, okay, we're parked the bus tie for Juventus, but a uh, wonderful goal there from Juventus, I thought. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, in a, in a in a in a season where we've been seeing some outstanding goalkeeping, we have Rui Patricio who gets beat at his near post. Um, you know, I think a prime Rui Patricio never lets that happen. Um, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, we're going to split hairs if we're going to take a look at things on on that on that front. But again, it comes back to. Vlaovic's hold-up play, his target, mm-hmm. his target play, and, and Rabio having the presence of mind to run off and be able to finish the chance that he's given. Um, so, uh, good goal. Uh, and then you know what's coming next with Juventus having the one one nil lead. Uh, you know the the rest of the way out, it's going to be it's going to be a leg ball, and uh, it's. Um, Patricio needs to part ways with Patricio at the end of the season. Are you saying his wife needs to part? To, what are we doing there, Anthony? <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so 
perfect uh, perfect example. You knew it was going to either come off of Vlaovic or Vlaovic was going to score the goal, um, but it was uh, it was well crafted. I agree, and I think you know if we saw the Roma we saw in the first half in the second half, there would have been a great chances I think for Roma to get back into this game. However, whether it's because of the adjustments of Allegri and terrorism ball or Roma not being able to capitalize, either way, there was really no great opportunities in the second half for Roma. I thought Juve, they bent but didn't break. Uh, there was one great opportunity, and I, I forget who now who had the opportunity in the second half, but it was a long-distance shot. I think it was Paulo Dybala. Paulo Dybala did have a great uh, outside-of-the-shot uh, in the first half. But second half, he had a shot from distance, and that was like the best that he had, and 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 Roma had in that second half. And Jesny really wasn't threatened in the second half. It was a fairly comfortable win for Juventus in the end of it. I thought the first half was certainly tested, very open game. Both teams had their opportunities, like you said. You know, Juve probably had the best of opportunities in the first half, but as the second half went on. Allegri ball started taking over in terms of defense, and they kind of just snuffed at all the main threats from from Juventus or excuse me from Roma and ultimately you talked about you know the striker play and I think it felt like at least in the second half that Roma maybe for most of the game the Roma were playing with 10 men because Lukaku really wasn't visible it's because Bremer did a fantastic job in the game as did Gotti, Gotti and Danilo uh, and so kudos to those two for pocketing them again I think uh, Juventus put out a a cheeky video about uh, Bremer extending his contract and taking out his pocket and all the attackers that he's uh, pocketed this season. Well, you can add Lukaku to the name of that, and uh, it showed in this game because Roma hurt. Roma hurt because of Lukaku not being not being visible in that game. No, I agree with that. Um, but let's 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 take it a little bit further and let's talk about the Pellegrini uh, decision and mm-hmm. starting him at the game now. Cristante Paredes Bove, whose playmaking do you respect out of any of them? Do you take any of them over Pellegrini? Oh, no, but I I like Bove this season because he. I like his work rate and I like his energy, but I don't know if I like him as a playmaker. No, 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 I agree. But I think think Bove needs to be in the game because of his energy and and, and his work rate and his just being young and, and feisty. I think Paredes is a guy you need because of his willing to start a fight with anybody and throwing the other teams off. It worked great against Napoli. Yeah. Cristante is a guy that we don't really see eye to eye on. I mean, well, we, we, you and I do, but we don't, we don't like what we see from Cristante. He has his moments for sure. And he had a great shot in the first four minutes of the game, but out of those three, he's going to be the one I'm dropping. Cause I want Pellegrini to come in the game. And I kind of like the, the attributes the other two possess over, over Cristante. Now, if this is a different game where you knew you're going to get a, you're playing a team like, uh, uh, Empoli or whatever, or somebody who you are de- decidedly better than. Uh, having that kind of lineup in there and having those Cristante in there, sure, that's fine. But when you're playing one of the best teams in the league, you need to have your best player out there, which is Pellegrini is arguably the best player outside of Dybala. He needs to start that game. If he's not healthy enough, okay, that's fine. But the idea that even if he's healthy and he's not starting again is pretty stupid for me. Uh, super sub or not, he needs to start the game. He's your captain. Put him out there. So you have a midfield three here that you don't respect any of their playmaking. So clearly Juventus doesn't respect any of their playmaking. Yeah. So while Bremer and Gatti were, <laughs> were tasked with the responsibility of maybe marking Lukaku and, and, and being tight and dealing with them. Now McKenny, Locatelli, Rabio can get themselves in positions where supply into Lukaku is cut off yep. because 
there isn't a midfielder out of those three that any of them have to go out and get to. Um, you know, so th- you can't if you don't have a guy in the midfield that can create and that can that can do the playmaking, and you clearly don't have it with Cristante, Paredes, and Bove, <clears throat> you're you're not gonna stretch this Juve defense, and you're making Juventus play their game plan comfortably. Okay. Yeah. Pellegrini makes them think about it. Said we got to make sure we get to him and close him down. And now you create a few other alternatives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's so to me, that's where I say, I, Hey, Pellegrini should have started. Uh, you have that extra dimension. You know, you're going to have the ball. You've got to figure out how you're going to get this Juventus. You have to figure out how to get them off balance yeah. um, because they don't give you anything easy. And again, they Roma, you know, Juve didn't give Roma anything easy. Um, Chesney wasn't troubled. Chesney, did Chesney have to make a big save in this game? No, no, um, not really. No. So I, I think maybe Mourinho was hoping that he'd get more play from like Zaleski on the left and and Christensen on the right, okay. and those guys didn't do much either. I think Juventus did a really great job. You know, Kostic and Wea defensively did a really great job. I thought, you know, Locatelli was stubborn, especially that second half didn't allow much, and I thought. McKenney and Rabiot were allowed to be free and do what they do best and, you know, be good box-to-box players and then set up plays and get into the box. They did more for Juventus in terms of midfield action versus anybody that you're talking about, those, those three players in the middle for Roma. And, you know, Mourinho gambled, gambled big and lost big in this one. So Yeah. You know, and I mean, and Spinazzola didn't even get a look in in this game. He was on the bench the whole time. And I don't know if he's still dealing with a knock or if there's something going on yeah. there. Yeah. But Zalewski is clearly preferred. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's another potential. I mean, overall, I felt this game pretty much went to plan. Um, yeah. it was physical, it was intense. Um, chances not necessarily were going to be at a premium, there, but there were going to be no. some very low percentage chances taken in this game because you've got two teams that really don't give you a lot as yeah. it is. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, I mean, it's easy. It, it's uh, reaching for low-hanging fruit uh, to say that Juventus carried their game plan out better than Roma did, but they did. I mean, not yeah. just because they won one nil, but because they weren't they weren't put into any situations where they had to be uncomfortable at any point over the course of the ninety minutes. Um, and I think that that was, you know, and to have the discipline to just kind of remain in your shape and play the way Juventus did says a lot. I mean. Um, they don't chase, think, they don't chase things. They, they don't chase yeah. things. If they don't respect you as a playmaker in the midfield, they're not, they're not coming to get you, you know, yeah. and they're going to let you play and they're going to just take away all of the dangerous passes and passing lanes. And, uh, and Juventus did a, a plus job of all of that. And yeah. then you couple that with Vlaovic's target play, which created an off, which created a lot. Uh, Juve deserved the three points here. Yeah, and I think they really could have had a second goal. There was a, a late in the game, I think 88th minute or so. Uh, Ealing Jr. And, Vla- and Chiesa, excuse me, linked up together. Yep. Uh, wonderful play by Ealing Jr. Got to get the ball to Chiesa. Chiesa, ma- magical footwork, and got the ball in the in the, in the net. Made it 2-0. Uh, I called the back, said it was offside. But I, the play was so beautiful. I thought a, go- a goal should have counted. It wouldn't matter at that point, really. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was the second-best threat in the game, and that was an offside play for, for Juventus. Again, Great. Roma did nothing. Juventus absolutely deserved uh, the win in this one in the shutout. So, hmm. so 
Um, I mean, where does this where does this leave us? I mean, it probably leaves us with. I don't think that really anything changes. Uh, you know, I think if Roma would have found a way to get a point out of this game, it's just it's one of those hey, look what I found kind of situations. Yeah. Um, and they'd be happy with it. But I think then you go and you look at um, Juve here. They continue to solidify their place as one of the two best teams in Italy. Hundred percent. Um, and uh, and again, it's the the football's not pretty, but it's getting results. And uh, you know, when you talk about manager of the manager of the midseason, um, you know, Max Allegri deserves a lot of credit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he stays true to what he thinks is going to be the best way to win for Juventus. He doesn't deviate from it. He doesn't get no. carried away. He doesn't he said this is the way it's going to be. Come and score you come and score on us. If you can, congratulations, you get the 3 points. Yeah. Um I think it benefits Juve that they don't have the European competition because they played this way last year and playing every 3 days, they were getting the brakes beaten off of them if it wasn't yeah. In the Champions League, giving up four at Benfica, it was at Napoli giving up five to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that having this singular focus on 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 Serie A has really, really benefited for benefited them. And the style that they play, nobody's going. You're not going to wear out. Players aren't going to wear out. I mean, no, no, it's a lot less running than gagging pressing or you know, some of the more mass possession games or wing play and some of this other stuff. Um, you know, it's just getting early positions. Uh, then you don't have to sprint. You don't have to work extra hard. Um, and def- especially defensively. And then uh, just be ready to deal with the situation when it comes to you. Um, it's very simplified. It's stone age. Uh, but it still has a place. It apparently still has a place in football uh, because they're getting it done and they're winning at a high level. And I think, you know, oddly enough, I think, you know, despite them not being in playing in that many fronts and just having to focus really on city, they have been able to use a lot more youngsters this season, just sprinkle them in and Mm -hmm. it helps with them. I mean, Ealing jr. Again, is getting a lot of play time. Maretti uh, can't say Fajoli because he's, you know, is out, but uh uh, Yildiz, Keenan Yildiz, and you know a bunch of other young youngsters are getting some time that they probably wouldn't have had last year because they've been so focused on they've been so spread out. Allegri would have tried to get you know get as many of those players as many reps as possible. Now he said, you know, what? I can afford one or two positions here a game and allow yeah. these youngsters to try. And he's building his team now, so you know this is actually serving Juventus really well in the in the long run as well. And which you wouldn't you wouldn't think being in in less competition, but hey, uh, it's another benefit of being. Uh, solely focus on Scudetto and really keeping Inter on their game this year. So, Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, I, Roma, I don't think there's anything to really look at and say, yeah, we're, you know, um, no. we're in trouble or anything. Like you went to, you went to the, one of the two best places, you know, yeah. you played away at one of the two best teams in Italy. You didn't get any points. No. A lot of teams, a lot of teams are going to be in your position. So, yeah. um, so we move on to the rest of match week uh, 18, and this is going to be really fast. Uh, Fiorentina uh, beat Torino by a goal to nil. It was a Luca Ranieri goal in the 83rd minute, uh, assisted by Michael Coyote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have some things to say about Michael Coyote here a little bit later. Hmm. Um, spoiler alert. 
uh, really a game that, um, you know, Torino had their chances in, and uh, but Fiorentina come away and escape with the win. Napoli, Monza, nil-nil. Um, a uh, penalty for Monza uh, in the 68th minute that Piscina took and took poorly. Um, yeah. Was saved by Merit. Uh, Napoli had nine shots on target in this game. Outshot Monza 25-8. to eight. Uh, Nine saves for Michele Di Gregorio. I think we're going to be talking about him in a little bit, too. Sure. Um, so... We have a recurring theme here, Richard, the way this is going. Genoa mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Inter, 1-1 there. Marco Arnautovic in the 42nd minute, finally getting his first Serie A goal uh, for Inter, uh, only to be pulled back at halftime uh, by someone that would have made our You Better Know Them team, Radu Dragusin, uh, who headed home a cross from Albert Goodmanson. Unfortunately, we weren't, we're not going to put Dragusin into that team because he is on his way to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunate because a, a budding star in this league and, and Tottenham knew what we knew and what others uh, were starting to come around to. And Clearly, they just, they're listeners of Serie A sit-down, so they were able to scout him ahead of time. I think, I think Andre Postacolo loves him some Serie A sit-down. <laughs> and that's why he's got Vicario over there, right? That's right, that's so, right. Yeah, so, uh, so we'll, uh, you know... Maybe we might have to be Tottenham fans just because of that, but I don't think that he'll ever confirm that anytime soon. Um, Moving on, uh, Lazio and Frosinone, a 3-1 win for Lazio. Matias Sula on a penalty in the 58th minute. 70th minute, uh, Castellanos with an interesting headed goal um, uh, from Isaacson and then uh, reversed that for the 72nd minute. This time Castellanos provider, Isaacson score. So Isaacson gets his uh, first Serie A goal. And then Patrick in the 84th minute in a 3-1 win. Uh, Lazio, at least for one game, cope well without Chiro Immobile and Luis Alberto, who weren't available through injury. Atalanta through Adamola Lookman, a goal weekend, winning 1-0 over Lecce. Cagliari and Empoli. Um, yeah, we wouldn't have noticed, but uh, I'm reading it anyway. Nil-nil. Um, <laughs> and that one, shock of the week, uh, Udinese hammers Bologna uh, by three goals to nil. Uh, Udinese had 27% in p- possession in this game and scored three times. Uh, so Bologna suffering a heavy defeat. Uh, been a while since we could say that about them and been a while since we could say they conceded three goals. Yeah. Uh, Salernitana go on the road through Chaoma uh, and win at Verona 1-0. An important win there for people in Zaghi's men. Uh, Milan, oh no. They only scored one goal against Sassuolo who has such a bad defense. Pioli out, right? Um, but Pulisic <laughs> gets, the, gets the goal and gets the win uh, for the Rossoneri and that's how it wrapped up for the year. Richard, uh, what little we have to talk about with these games, we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first off, uh, Terracciano did a great job for Fiorentina. Uh, I figure we'll probably talk about him a little bit later as well. Um, yeah, Fiorentina quietly in the top four. Quietly in the top four. Uh, another team like Bologna, who's just been doing the omens work uh, this season, uh, obviously playing on multiple fronts. Last season, Vincenzo Italiano found a way to get his team to hum really well playing on these multiple fronts. Doing it again this season started out slow, but now they're getting back on track. And so uh, good to see Fiorentina doing there. Napoli-Monza, I think, um, yeah, well, I don't know what the hell Pacino was doing on that penalty kick there, Anthony. 
mind blowing. He just wasted a great opportunity like that. Uh, and then overall, I think what we saw in that game, I know a lot of Napoli fans were talking how look what there's a play where I think Bondo or Bondo, Bondo, um, totally tackles Cavaracelia and then like steps over him and they started like going, you know, going at each other. And it's like, yeah, I know it's a bad play, but get used to it. This is what's going to happen. This is what happened to Leao mm-hmm. the second season. The teams are going to go after your best player and you got to find ways, to, other ways to one, keep your head on straight and two, find somebody else to contribute to the team because he can't do it at all. He can't do it all himself. Um, and so on that play, they kept saying, oh, well, it was unfair. Like Bondo got a yellow card. Bondo got a yellow card too. But Zadi got a red card and ultimately got a red card being stupid. And then uh, Paladino got a red card in that game as well. Maric as well late in that game. Feisty game. Um, entertaining, I thought. Napoli should have won that game. I think Anguisa, if he was two-footed, he would have scored a goal. And, the, and he was set up beautifully by uh, Havrashelia. But he, he goes for the most difficult shot possible in front of the net. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Misses that wide-open goal there. But, uh, yeah, Napoli really should have had it, and they missed opportunities. Monza had some great chances late. Um, Genoa, again, you know, doing – they they were the dentist chair against against Inter. Uh, made it difficult mm-hmm. for them. Inter had certainly their, their chance. Arnautovic, you know, again uh, – Unable to to pull the trigger very well, got the goal, but he had some other opportunities he missed. It's clear that the the young player Jan Besek is a guy they're they're targeting for headers. Led to that goal because that's like second or third time they had gone to him off a of a throw in to try to get a goal. He's a player to watch out for, uh, certainly. Uh, Lazio took him a while to kind of get their legs going after they went down in the game. They kind of woke up and Castellanos. I like the header that he had. A wonderful looping header there. Certainly interesting, like you said. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the big the big upset of the weekend, Udinese and Bologna. I'm not going to take anything of this. I think Bologna had just came off of some stellar results over the last week or so, and this is a trap <clears throat> game for them. Udinese are a difficult team. They don't always score, and, and but they found a way to get, get one in this game. I, 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 I'm going to overlook this loss for Bologna because I think this is nothing of it. Udinese were bound for a win here. They were playing much better, uh, but uh, they just caught Bologna at the right time and, you know, had some great goals. Luca had a goal of the week, Canada there, assist by Samarchis in that game. Um, uh, Pachero and Pereira, that, you know, they contributed as well. It, it just a well, well done game by, by Udinese. So I'm not going to take anything else outside of that. And I think, you know, in that 0-0 game with Cagliari and Empoli, uh, Cagliari did everything through a kitchen sink, but they couldn't get a goal in this game. Um, there was a play where, uh, with a, what's his name? Pavoletti took out the keeper and they got, he got a car for it and the goal was taken away. Cagliari was close. They played much better. I, I like seeing it when a game like that, when it's like a relegation six pointer, this is the kind of games you want to see what Cagliari are made of. And you can see that Ranieri has had a positive effect on this team. They didn't get the win. But they look good. They look fairly decent at home. Uh, they had majority of the shots in this game, majority of possession. I thought they were the better team. They just didn't get a goal. And so, you know, I think it'll come around slowly, but a draw is better than a loss for Kyrie at this point. And the more points you collect this, this time of season, the better chance you have of surviving at the end of the season. So, you know, that's my quick synopsis, I guess, overall. I'm with you. I think that um, they'll pull that on into the relegation and they'll survive. I think that between Ranieri's managerial abilities and, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, and the way they're coming together a little bit and the talent that they have on this team, uh, it's hard to not see them get out. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think we were concerned about the attacking options, the lack of pace, 
Lavumbo can certainly provide that. Lavumbo, yeah. I should say. Um, and then you've got Nicholas Viola in there, who's a veteran player that can do some creativity. Yankto gives you something on the left with crossing. There's there's enough pieces in here and enough experience at this level yeah. um, that they can see this through. But I, it's one of those where they're going to have to reinforce if yeah. they want to see a third season after the second, because it's going to be one of those where if they don't do a lot, they're going to they're going to find themselves in a lot of trouble. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're that classic team that they might have just enough in their locker to survive this year, but they better figure it out for next year if they want to make sure they have more of an extended stay. Um, kind of what Hellas is going through this year. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Um, Udinese over below. That was Udinese's second win of the season. They have 11 draws. Why is it, why is it always Udinese? doing these weirdly spectacular things and they, and they, and, and it sneaks up on us. Like we never pay they attention play, to it. And then they, all of a sudden they play good enough defense. It's, it's just, they can't score. And then, and occasionally they have these games where the team is a trap game for the other team. And then they find ways to get goals like, like this. Yeah. They, 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 they're decent enough. They, they should be playing a lot better. They're underperforming, but yeah, I mean, 11 draws it's, it's because they've been in games. Some of the games they should have won. Many yeah. of the games they should have won, you know? Yeah. They're, uh, they're certainly not making, you know. They they certainly, uh, you know, they've uh, they found a way to just get points and make this thing look legit. Um, even though mm-hmm. it's eleven draws, it's just it's the weirdest record line. Eight played eighteen, won two, drawn eleven, tied five, or drawn eleven, lost five. I mean, they've they've drawn more games than they've won and lost combined. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, <laughs> you play to level. draw the game. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, uh, oh man. So it's, you know, so those are the main things that I've got. Um, Milan winning mm-hmm. a, a debut for uh, the kid. What's his name again? Zaroli. Yeah. Um, yeah. Played again today in the Coppa Italia. Yep. Looked all right. Jovic so, becoming, getting hot. Jovic is getting hot. Yeah, that's, boy, how big would that be for Milan coming up the stretch? And then I had this conversation because we talked about this last week. And then I also had this conversation kind of in a Twitter sidebar DM with Martino. Okay. Uh, talking about the fan base and just how insufferable some of them are with the, the, the Pioli out stuff and something needs to change now and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like when you're taking a look at it, and I said, take a step back and take take a look at what they've accomplished this season, okay? Um Milan are, um, they have had a, a, as big an injury list as anybody, not just in Italy, but in Europe. And they're third. When all of these guys come back healthy, are they going to suddenly suck and not make the Champions League? Is there something I'm missing here? No. Because, and then you also factor in, they switch to formation, they go to a 4-3-3. Um, from a four-two-three-one, although I think there's been some traces of double pivot in recent games with Milan, mm-hmm. um, but it's just one of those you go back and forth, and you got to look at Milan. And I said, and, and this is to all of Milan Twitter, including the Pioli out crowd. It, I think Milan. It's not just because that's their third in the standings, but I think that they have firmly planted their position as the third best team in Italy. Okay, um, and I think when they get everybody back, they're going to consolidate that position yeah okay um you know at, at a very minimum it's never too late to make a charge i mean they're not in the 
there's never too many. It's, it's, it's a matter of how serious they take the Europa League. That's going to be part of the conversation. They're still in Coppa Italia, but when you take a look at it, Richard, I mean, they get all of these guys back. You know, they're they're as good as everybody. I mean, they might be too many points back to make a push for Scudetto, but yeah, oh yeah, I I think I think. I can comfortably sit here and say with 20 games left, Milan are going to finish at least third. You uh, mentioned all you mentioned all that, and the most most attributive factor to all of this is down years for Leal and Teo Hernandez. All that plus those two are, are playing down. So if yeah. those two are getting hot and then you get everybody back, yeah, this team is gonna be firmly third best team in the league. Um, I think the the best job that Piola's done this season and 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 in company is that they had how many new purchases they have and to get them all you know, on the same page, plus all the injuries, you know, now you're seeing all the players that they sign are starting to come around. Chiquese is slowly coming around with Jovic. He's starting to get hot. Uh, Reinders is finding his form. He's become one of the, the main guys in, in the midfield now for them. Pulisic is having a fantastic year. He's lifted the, the weight that Leao has dropped this year. Um, it's just a whole bunch of multitude of players that are playing well. And now you see this kid, the the youngster playing left back today. And his name is escaping me at the moment. He had Jimenez. He had a great game today uh, in his debut start. Um, so, yeah, all these players, all the pieces are starting to come together. And so, you know, all you need is Okafor and some other players coming, get players healthy. And then all of a sudden you got a team that's challenging for the top three or challenging the top two, but not necessarily going to catch them. And going to be firmly in that third position. Like you said, I think once everyone's healthy, if they get healthy, uh, that's a key word, if, but you know, if they get healthy, I don't think, I don't see anybody else below them catching them. I don't. I'm looking up something real quick, but while I talk, cause, cause the, 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 the layout part is fascinating. Um, I'm just looking up what it was Milan's record through 18 games in the 2022, 23 season. See if I can get a, um, is that last year? No. Yeah. Last yeah. Year. I don't think, I think I'm just going to get full year stuff. Um, yeah, that's what it appears to be as I'm trying to flip through some of this right now. Um, through 18 games, 2022, 2023. Yeah, I'm not going to find it. I guess I'd like... Now, let me ask you. Here's a, here's a thing to ponder because the Leal conversation is fascinating. And people say Leal is having a down year and, and I, some people were complaining about him. He's not scoring and all this other stuff. And I think, what does he have? He has like three goals so far this season. Um, I can pull that up. I think it's like seven goals and assist total or something like that. Yeah, um, something something like that. Uh, okay, what? so what? But I think aren't we? You know, I think you have a Milan that has more balance to it. Yeah, that's fair. When you see Pulisic playing and starting to contribute, contribute and kick in goals, you're getting better play through the midfield. Um, so. I think that it's not just a matter of sitting here saying, I think that he's still performing. I still see the burst. I still see the, you know, winning some of the one V ones and stuff like that. And he's maybe not finishing as much as he did last season, but you know, last season and the season before you can look at Lao statistically being elite. And a lot of it was because Milan lent itself to be a little more Lao dependent. Mm -hmm. And now you've got Pulisic in the, on the scene scoring goals. You've got, Goals coming from, you know, uh, Giroud has eight. Um, you have Loftus-Cheek contributing a little bit through the yeah. midfield. Reinders, to your point. Um, maybe the fact – I think we also have to consider that, all right, the pressure really isn't on Leao to be the man right now. 
And it's probably a good thing that he's kind of finding his way with all of the new players around him that once he figures it out and starts scoring, this becomes an even better Milan than it is now. So I, I slightly disagree because I, I agree on the fact that, yes, the pressure is not on him from everybody else. I think on him, the, the pressure slow, square, squarely on his shoulders. I think he thinks he has to be the Messi's of the world, the Ronaldo's okay. of the world. Uh, and he's So what I what I don't – I like that what he's, he still has all the, the talent, the skillfuls, uh, plays that he we we know and love with him, but what's been frustrating with me it was a prime example in today's game of Coppa Italia. For those who watched it, Jovic is having a great game. Two goals already. He's on a hat trick. All of a sudden, you bring Leao into the game. Jovic doesn't touch the ball for the rest of the game, maybe one other time, because Leao keeps trying to do everything himself. It's like yes, and he got a goal he, after like fifty shots uh, doing the same play. He finally got a goal past the keeper, but he there's a something's really working this game. It's getting the ball to Jovic, finding him, and Leao is trying to do everything himself. Not passing anybody else. Pulisic came in the game. You didn't even notice him in the game because he was quiet because Leal was doing everything himself. And it's like taking on guys, being the one-on-one is great. But when you make it at the expense of being too selfish and taking away the rest of your players and making your team neutralize, that's what's been frustrating for me. I think he still has the talent. He just at times tries to do too much himself and tries to make himself be show everyone, hey, I am Vin- Vinicius Jr. Look, I can do what he does. Uh, and it's to the detriment of the team. And I think when you have game when your team is playing well like today it just detracts from everything else and i think had he started from the get-go this might have been might have been the same result it might have been a much tighter game okay this is how i feel that and, and that's fair okay um you know but i think that or or do we just say hey it's the same production that he's offered in previous seasons he's just yeah. not scoring at the same clip yeah um you could say that too yeah. um I don't think he's suddenly become an awful player and, nope. you know, or, or any of this other stuff. I mean, all players go through this kind of stuff. How many months did, I mean, Farish Helia, he 18 gosh. months or something. <laughs> like he went, he went over, he went almost like a seven month stretch without scoring in yeah. City. Yeah, it was like you March, know? October or something crazy like that. Right. Right. I mean, so, so everybody hits their, everybody has their dip. Um, you know, it is awfully hard to maintain a consistent elite level of play for a long, long period of time. Uh, all the great ones go through a problem here and there. So um, let's, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to overwhelm and just say, yeah, you know, um, it's a regression because it isn't. It's a, all right, he's he's creating, he's producing, he's trying to take on some things himself. Maybe he doesn't have to take on as much himself. And I think he continues to feel this out, but I think we see a layout as we get closer to the spring, get back to the form um, that we've been accustomed to seeing mainly because there's motivation for him with all the places that are up for grabs in, in, in Portugal's national team at the Euros. Yep. He's going to want to be in that conversation. And if he continues at the form that he's at, it's going to be really, really hard for Roberto Martinez to play him. He'll still take him. Yes. Um, but start him. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of form, um, and and the lack thereof, usually top, usually goals of the week, Frank. We have lots of options, but uh, this week is a little starved for uh, options. Uh, do you have Do you have a tough five? Um, I have my three. Okay. Um, uh, Chalma is number three for me. The goal for Salernitana. Uh, I like the individual goal from Lookman, and at number two for Atalanta. And I like the uh, kind of the trailer volley there by Pajero for Udinese as my uh, goal of the week. Okay. Uh, I'm going with the Vlahovic backheel flick to Rabiot for his goal. 
uh, for Juventus. And number three, I only got three as well. Number two, Samarch, I believe it's Samarchic to, to Luca for the goal. Wonderfully red pass. And Luca just did a pheno- phenomenal finish there. Yeah. My play of the week, though, and I noticed how I said play of the week, it's Evan and Dika goal line clearance off of uh, Kostic in that game against Roma. Could really, you know, nearly saved the game for them. Uh, they end up losing the game ultimately. But uh, wonderful. Probably sacrificed, a few, probably sacrificed a few brain cells the way that the, the <laughs> pace with which uh, Kostic struck that ball, too. It, well struck shot for sure, and he cleared it offline with his head. So yeah, yeah. That's my week, so, all right. Well, good, good. Want to hand out some awards? We'll hand yeah. out some midseason awards. Um, so uh, these are the uh, the city I city I sit down midseason awards, or if Michael Lisi's listening, the near midseason awards. <laughs> um, so hi, Michael. Uh, so um, let's start with our manager of this midseason. I think that's a pretty okay. cut and dry conversation here. It's got to be Tiago Mota uh, for having Bologna in a position to contend for a top four place and be in the Champions League with a relatively limited squad, um, you know, and uh, playing a style that maybe frustrates a little bit but gets the job done. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, and I think that's going to be for everybody. Tiago Mota is the, uh, manager of the midseason. Um, we did a, a poll this afternoon, uh, to see what people thoughts are manager of the season. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, so, uh, as of right now, um, 28% people voted for Simone Inzaghi, 13% for Max Allegri, 57% for Tiago Mota, uh and then uh let's see then nobody there's two percent for other so i assume the other is for pioli <laughs> um no uh but in, 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 in all seriousness um i think it has to be talking about i mean what simone Zaghi and inter are doing at the moment are is fantastic they've been a machine a blue machine this year just really doing it on all fronts they've been dominant they've been excellent defensive ball jan summer has been a revelation for Serie A fans uh and then their attack has been brilliant and they've done it everywhere. They're really a European threat. So all kudos go to Simone Inzaghi for that. Max Allegri as well. He has a little bit of a shorter hand uh, in terms of talent and, and and what he has at his disposal, but he's just doing it the Max Allegri way. He's stubborn. He realized that Max 2.0 doesn't work. Let me go back to Max 1.0, and it's working. And uh, Juventus are keeping pace with Inter this season, and it's been a wonderful job for the way he's gotten – both McKinney and Rabiot and, and, and just that midfield in general to play at the level that they are. The defense was going through some rough patches have now solidified helping Chesney and, and to kind of seal the deal. And then Chiesa and Vlahovic have found us rekindled their, their love affair that they had back in Fiorentina. And it's all of it, it's working and you get some youngsters sprinkled in there as well. This all goes to Max Allegri. So he gets a, obviously a heads up and then probably another manager outside of Tiago Mota that, you know, I think deserves mentioning is Vincenzo Italiano, what he's done. His team is currently in fourth place, uh, quietly in fourth place, like we said earlier, and playing on th- three different fronts for back-to-back years now, uh, making it difficult in City out for his opponents, making it difficult in Europe. This team has is multifaceted, and they, when they started the season, they were very hot. Everyone's picking them for Scudetto, but they went through a rough patch, and Vincenzo Italiano kind of fixed all the mistakes that they were having and they quietly is getting back into it. It's getting, they're not getting the flashiest results. It's a little Allegri-esque in terms of how they get in their wins, but, you know, Bonaventura is having a fantastic year and a bunch of the couple, you know, uh, Corta is having a stellar play defensively and getting some goals offensively as well. Terraciano has been a revelation for them. So Fiorentina, what they've done under Vicente Liano, he deserves a lot of credit, but Tiago Moto ultimately what he's done with Bologna, finally getting them to play at the level that we all thought 
maybe, well, exceeding the level we thought they could play. We thought Bologna was maybe an outside chance of Europe. He's got them currently fighting for a Champions League. Uh, he's he's played the best teams in the league thus far, and he's gotten a favorable amount of points against all of them, which is unreal. He makes it difficult for everybody. His defense is sublime. Um, they got some great players that are just showing up. Xerxes, Salamakers contributing. You have Ferguson who's having a fantastic year. It's just the team in general has picked up the ball that they, they've taken the inspiration that Tiago Moto has given and kind of ran with it. And hopefully, you know, it lasted the whole entire season. It is so far, and it's great to see what Bologna's done. And Tiago Mota deserves 100% because no one saw this. People could could see Vincenzo Italiano doing this. They could see Allegri and Simone Inzaghi doing this. But Bologna? No, nobody saw this coming. And sure. so that's why he's the manager of the midseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you can make a case in any other season, you can make a case for any of the managers in the top four. And I'll even yeah. include Pioli in that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, considering the injuries that he's had to deal with and we've already you know we're beating a dead horse here and he's got him in third yeah um allegri with the way they're playing and inzaghi with the way Inter's playing and then vicenzo italiano with the job he's doing at fiorentina to have them in fourth um you know it's uh uh it's very impressive you go a little further down the list and i think that eusebio di francesco deserves some recognition for the job he's done so far at frosinoni alberto giladino with the job he's done at genoa having them in 12th um yeah. Now yeah. some challenges lie ahead because I think that some of the players and their performances have gotten other people's attention. We've already talked about Dragusin uh, going to Tottenham where, you know, who knows if some of these other guys are going to still be around and what kind of reinforcements there's going to have to be. Sylvan Hefty, I believe, is leaving, but he didn't have as much of an impact um, uh, this season with Genoa as he probably did before with other managers. Yeah. Uh, so those were, that was another one that I, that I caught and I noticed. You know, so those are the guys that I think that deserve recognition, you know, for their efforts so far, uh, you know, halfway through the season. So yeah. uh, let's move on and talk about the you better know them 11. At City, I sit down through the years. I think one thing that we've prided ourselves on is, get you know, catching that player that we think has has something to him. You know, before kind of before everybody else does, you know, Um, you know, we've you know, we 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 kind of take our evaluation of the teams when we watch them seriously, see what's going on on the pitch, people that get our attention. And we don't want to just start naming names and just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. We look at guys and we say, yeah, there's 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 some legitimacy here. There's some there's a chance for something sustained to be going on here. Um so we want to recognize 11 players and something that I pulled off and it was thanks in thanks to a transaction that happened today. Hmm. No team has two players in this lineup, Richard. Yeah, that's good. There's 11 different teams represented. So, yeah. and one of the things that we're probably going to have to do is like check back with this and see what these players have done. Like if they, you know, and I think a good way to put it is if, if they've moved on to a better club or a better situation, then, then it's a hit. If they've kind of, you know, if they've kind of been consistent in staying where they're at, yeah, would, depending on the, we, we got to, you know, that's just subjective, but it could either be a hit or we can just say it's neutral. Um, we talked about Armand Loriente, didn't we? Yes, we did. Okay. Um, you know, we've, we, we hit some of these guys and, and we, we certainly, you know, we take some pride in it. There's, there's been lots of players. We were probably one of the first on Dejan Kulishevsky back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just to give you an idea, so now we've kind of turned it into a team and we like to do this halfway through the season. So it gives all of you a chance to pay attention to some players that 
you haven't been paying attention to. And previously, uh, you know, we've we've mentioned a few of these guys when we may not have mentioned any of these guys. So um, but here we go. And I did a four, three, three formation. No real reason. Um, you know, just uh, just wanted to do it that way. Uh, the goalkeeper uh, on the You Ought to Know Them team is Michele Di Gregorio Monza. Um, and you may know him. I mean, but the man in 17 games for Monza has made 72 saves. Uh, you want to take a look at uh, a reason why Monza are where they are in the table um, in 11th. Uh, Michele Di Gregorio is a massive reason for that. Massive. Um, yeah. uh, he has kept teams. I mean, just uh, this past weekend against against Napoli. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, with nine saves against them, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, the tip of the iceberg. But Richard Di Gregorio. Yeah. And the reason why he got that one call up with the Azzurri uh, a couple months ago, he's been having a great year. He's been uh, if you don't know who he is, check out some Bonza games. He he stands out one because they get a lot of shots against him, but he makes these fantastic saves. He makes the hard saves. He makes the easy saves. He really does it all. Keeps his teams in the games. Reason a, a good reason why Monza is where they are on the table, eleventh eleventh position currently, is because the seventy two saves that Di Gregorio has to make. He is a fantastic keeper. And I I saw I don't know if it was Uncle Sharma or someone said, Hey Lazio or not Lazio Roma, you need a goalkeeper. Get Di Gregorio. Rui Patricio is not it. You know, so this is a guy who probably won't be at Monza very long. Uh, no. Hopefully he stays in Serie A. We saw a guy, Vicario, we were ahead of the, the, the curve on that. And look, now he's over in, in, in England. Karnaseki uh, at... Karnaseki uh, now, Kremlis yeah. last year, now, now at Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skorupski is doing a great job now at, at Bologna. But uh, Di Gregorio, I think he is due to be going to a, a better Serie A club and... You know, Roma could certainly use him, and there's some. I'm sure there's a couple other clubs that could don't have a necessarily a stable number one that they they could go for him. And so, hey, why not? Uh, he is a goalkeeper that's uh, you. Are, if you don't know who he is, you ought to know who he is. Go look, go watch Monza games. <laughs> yep, and go watch, go watch because he's he's playing on a team that's allowing him to get shelled, and he's making save after save. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to read off all four defenders here, Richard, and then you can have a reaction to it. Right. At right back, we've got Michael Coyote of Fiorentina. If you look at transfermarket.us uh, coming into this season, he was valued at 800,000 euros. And now his value is 12 million in just a not half a season. Not too bad. Um, great attacking skills as a fullback. Great crosser of the ball. Uh, plays with good width. Also is 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 a decent enough defender. Um, a guy that kind of came through the youth. I think he came, came through Juve's youth system, in fact, and then kind of bounced around before he finally. Uh, he, and then he went to Fiorentina's U19s, and then they called him up. Uh, great story with him yeah. uh, and a guy you better keep watching because in a season, you know, right now where the right back position, right wing back position has been crap. Um, he's looking really good. He's looking like he's amongst the best in the league. If we're just talking about this season alone, nearly made uh, my best 11. Yep. Yep. He was very close. So, but we'll put him in this team in the, instead because we wanted to give him the recognition. Yep. Uh, our center backs, we have uh, George, you're going to like this. Alberto Dosena of Cagliari, mm-hmm. uh, six foot five inch center back. He's going to win some balls in the air, isn't he? And he's also yeah. going to be a guy, a guy whose head you look for in corners. He's actually got two goals uh, for Ranieri's team this season. So strong in, in the aerial duels, strong in attacking sets, decent positioning about him, plays yeah. with some physicality. Um, we like him. Uh, we see good things for him. He's 25 years old, a little on the older side, but, um, but, but uh, you know, making his presence felt might arguably be Calgary's best player so far this season, uh, you know, when you look at it. Um, 
And then uh, the other center back, we've talked about him a few times before, Ricardo Calafiori of Bologna, a converted left back, converted left wing back. And he's been a big part of Bologna's defensive success. You know, prior to coming into the Zudinese game, um, they don't, I mean, Bologna through 18 games has only conceded 15 goals. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, Califiori's had a hand in that. He's been a very, and, and a lot of it's all defensive chops, um, you know, uh, wins the individual duels, uh, collects the free ball, starts, starts the attack with passes, doesn't overcomplicate things either. Um, but found his way in, uh, to this team. And then the left back is, is now with Milan, Filippo Terracciano, um, had some, uh, good appearances playing for Hellas Verona. Uh, he was effective in the defensive areas uh, for Bruno. This is a depth signing for Milan at the moment, uh, yep. but it's a depth signing with upside. So, Coyote, Dosena, Calafiore, Terracciano, Richard. Uh, that's our back four in the You Ought to Know team. Yeah, four excellent players, uh, players with high ceilings uh, for sure. Obviously, Terracciano going to Milan for two and a half million euros. That's what the rumor is at the moment. Uh, that's a steal for Milan. You talked about. Last week we talked about Buchanan being a steal for Inter with you know 10 million euros. This is also a steal here for for AC Milan. Uh, Chiano, he's going to be a depth player, absolutely one for the future. Obviously, between him and and Jimenez, the the, the left back side of Milan looks comfortable for the for years to come. Uh, and they got oh by the way they have Teo Hernandez there, right? Uh, but look look Calafiore. We talked about Calafiore this year how. Could he make that transition from left back to center back? We talked about how how he struggled at Roma on their left back, and he wasn't really working with Mourinho. He goes over to Tiago Mota, another job, the brilliant job that Tiago Mota's done, finding his players and finding little little action to get them to 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 get to the next level. Califiore has become a converted center back, and he's done a marvelous job with Bukema uh, back there. He in a in a position where we thought was maybe a absolute weakness for Bologna going into the season. He's, you know, he's one of the main reasons why they solidified and have a third best defense in the league. Um, Califiori is having a phenomenal year. As is Docena. I think Docena is quietly doing a stellar job in center back. You just watch what he did against Epoli this weekend against mobile players like Caputo, uh, really shutting them down. He's he's smart positionally. Has a little bit of pace. He obviously has the ups because he's six foot five. He's a big guy, so you want to look for him and 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 set pieces. But uh, he's a guy who who his IQ is. Very, very, very strong for uh, a 25-year-old, um, and so someone who you want to, in the in the long run, I think will be a solid depth player for any team. He could probably start for many teams in Serie A, uh, and so look for Dosena to do some good things. And then, you know, last week with, with Coyote, I, I mentioned how he was almost in my best eleven. If you look at the right backs, right wing position this year, he's up there. When you look at the numbers and what he's done, has he necessarily have all the assists or goals that some of the other players have? No, not necessarily, right? Uh, you look at someone like Di Lorenzo who has a lot more goals and assists than he does, but he's steady, uh, consistent week in and week out. Some of his best games were against the best teams in the league. And so that tells you what kind of player he is. He's smart. He's willing to step up when, when the game gets bigger, lights are shining a little bit brighter. He's, he puts on an extra performance. And that's what you see in a good player. And so all four of these players have uh, done some nice things this year that we've noticed. And uh, I'm curious to see how the season progresses for each of them. And, including Di Gregorio, even though he's a little bit more known commodity for us. And I think, uh, yeah, excited to see how, how they progress and do they stay with their current teams. Yep, agreed, agreed. This is a nice back four and a nice way to get this started. Uh, we have a three-man midfield. We're going to start with Morton Frendrip of Genoa. I think we have a, uh, a all-around midfielder on our hands here um, yeah. that has a that has a future. Ball winner, um, recover 
great in recovering, great in winning duels. Um, but he also has chance creating ability. He has four assists this season. Um, yeah. so, uh, boxed kind of a box to box plus, uh, type guy and has been a real spark for Genoa a matter of time before he potentially links up with a better team, yeah. uh, here down the road. So, uh, if you want, take the time to watch a Genoa game and just watch Morton Frendra play, uh, it'll be worth the time for you. So, um, uh, going on to that midfield, Christian Thorstvet of Sassuolo. I mean, they, Sassuolo just find these midfielders and plug them in. <laughs> we were talking about Boloka, and it hasn't totally worked out, but but Thorstvet in particular, um, very versatile. Uh, can create, can score, can defend. Uh, does a little bit of everything for this Sassuolo team. Will play, can kind of sit in that 10 role behind Pinamonte, can also play a little bit further back in more of a holding role. Um, like the skill set on him, a guy that we think is going to just continue to get better and better a Norwegian international. So you see the talk about Odegaard, you see the talk about Holland, you see the talk about some of the other players that they have in this team. And Torsved is just, you know, a, a guy that can slot right in and also play, you know, be a good fit for their national team as well. And then we round out with Jacopo Fazzini of Empoli. Mm-hmm. Um, young box to, I mean, we love young box to box midfielder, but he's also creative uh, also can do well on, on set pieces um, young guy, 20 years old. He's going to be the next young Empoli youth product that Empoli cash in on somewhere down mm-hmm. the road. Um, yep. We like the talent on him, uh, and we think that he's got a bright future. Uh, these three guys, Richard, um, talk about them a little bit, and maybe a little bit, okay, if they their next move, where's a good fit for them? That would be a good conversation to have. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I think all three of these gentlemen, uh, they've done excellent. They – uh, they stepped into the challenge this year. It, obviously, you know, being a youngster in the league, it's always sometimes hard. We talked about it a little earlier with with uh, Keenan Yildaz. Like sometimes when you're a little naive, you you're willing to attack these, you know, attack the defenses a little bit more. You play with a little bit um, uh, recklessness in a good way, and sometimes you cower and you kind of have a struggle of a season, kind of like CDK had last year. But I think all three of these guys uh, showed, you know, Fazzini the, the attack and Empoli at times looks really nice and it's really smooth, but you need that midfielder, box-to-box midfielder like Fazzini to kind of get in there and and kind of disturb the piece and then set those breakaways or those counterattacks going the opposite way uh, and also contribute offensively, whether it's with goals or assists and, and trying to set up your teammates. You obviously have, you know, some some a decent striker in Caputo. He, well, he's getting aged, getting up there in age, but he can still put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, and so they need a guy like Fazzini to kind of help with that transition game. Um, a good move for him. I think probably the next best step for him is maybe somewhere like a, a mid-table team. You know, uh, it would be nice to see him in a, a Torino or a Monza maybe, maybe even a Lazio type. Uh, just the kind of player that he 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 can – the kind of skill set he can bring to those teams. I think some of those teams are lacking in that department a little bit, and he would help in the depth department eventually in a starting position. Uh, Thorstved is a guy who – uh, just another product of that Sassuolo pipeline that they keep finding these gems. It's year after year they find all these players. And uh, Thorstedt is part of that Norwegian pipeline, which it, it's a little bit of a renaissance for them now or a, a coming out season for them. Uh, with all these players, are you're starting to uh, show up that obviously are led by the Odegaards and Halans of the world uh, and starting to get more recognition now. And so Thorstedt has been uh, he's such a good vision, good vision, good player. Um, Good work rate. I think all three of these guys have really great work rates, and and Frendrup is is more of the same line. I think Thorstedt, you're probably looking at maybe like uh, I would I'd be curious to see him how he would do in like an Atalanta situation. I think um, obviously they have a Coat Miners there who does excellent in the attacking side, but 
he would add to that midfield, I think, to help him out and help Coop Miners and company kind of – the attack is missing just something. He could probably be that little extra piece in there that kind of gets him over the line with a little bit more goals. But for me, of the three, the guy who really uh, got my attention this year was Michael Frendrup. Uh, he just missed my best 11 this year. I, I, I think he has Juventus written all over him, in my opinion. Box and box, who reminds me a lot of Weston McKinney, a young Weston McKinney. Uh, where he is aggressive, can play a multitude of positions. He's a jack of all trades, can play anywhere on the right side of the midfield or in center field, center midfield. Uh, can get up in the attack, as you mentioned. Has you know, I don't know four assists this year or something. You said uh, can get can get goals as well. Um, smart player, physical player. Uh, I think that would be a good player for Juventus to kind of develop and, and, and take the next step. Uh, I was going to say Juventus, or he's even an Inter midfielder. Uh, you know, I, I, Inter would be a really a Barilla, good fit for a like backup or something. Yeah, no, I, I could absolutely see that. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I think all three of these guys are phenomenal players, and I can't wait to can't wait to see what the next step is. Uh, but uh, friend Rupp of the three, I think, has the highest ceiling of all of them. Yeah, I, I, and I'm 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 with you on all of those takes. You know, Fazzini. <laughs> yeah, Dominic, we've be, I think we've all beaten that one to death. <laughs> Fazzini, I, I could see at a uh, at a Fiorentina. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that would be. I mean, obviously, that's a the, the Tuscan rivalry. There, it might be difficult for Fiorentina to pull off signing him, but yeah. Um, you know, but with the system that they play, that seems to be. Might be a decent enough fit. Torsvet, I would, you know, I'll, I, and I'm not not saying this out of being a homer, but Torsvet would would make a nice fit at Milan. Uh, you Bologna know, with, I mean that that four three three right now is craving versatility. You know, cra- create it's craving versatile midfielders. Uh, yeah. You know, like a Torsvet. So, um, you know, and like I said, Frendrup, Inter, Juve would be ideal places for him to slide right in. Could even make the case for a Roma. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. Where that, uh, you know, you know, I think that uh, he's, you know, the, the potential is there. So let's keep an eye on the on all three of these because I think they're all um, on the way uh, to being good players in this league that are going to have bright futures. Maybe not at the club that they're currently at. They might find work at better places. So yeah. uh, moving on to the forwards, and you know, one guy who's been performing like gangbusters right now in the forward position is Goodmanson of Genoa, and and he's not in this team. Because I think he's known enough now. Um, You know, that's really what it came down to. We wanted to try to find those guys that, hey, you're not paying a lot of attention to these guys. You should be, you know, watch them. I think Goodmanson has made a real big name for himself so far this season. And to Dominic's Dominic's chat, uh, same thing with Loriente. Loriente, we've kind of known him already, and he's a known commodity at the moment. He is, the outside of Berardi, the best player for Sassuolo. So kind of why we didn't mention Loriente as well. Yep. So our forwards in this team, we're going to start with Lamek Benda, Banda of Lecce. Yeah. Uh, Pacey winger can play either flank. He can score. He can create as evidenced by his two goals and four assists so far this season for Lecce has been a value for them. Uh, Lorenzo Luca of Udinese, who we talked about earlier with his goal, he only scored with his foot. Six foot seven inch aerial target, six goals and one assist on the season already for Udinese for an Udinese team that doesn't score, score much. Uh, he's becoming a relied upon source of goals would like to see the target play get better. I think that that just has a lot to do with his lankiness and that it's maybe a little bit easier to get the, you know, for defenders to, to work past him and win the ball from, 
from him and things like that. But that's an, that's an area of his game that definitely has to get better. And then a guy we've talked about a lot here, but we're going to just put in this team because I think he still kind of goes quiet in the landscape of Serie A, and that is Cyril Ngonja of uh, Hellas Verona. Um, he's proven that he can play centrally. He can play wide uh, on the season. He's got five goals, two assists. Uh, he's good in 1v1 situations. He's good in creating chances for teammates. Uh, you know, solid all around uh, in the attacking areas. One of the few uh, bright attacking spots for this Hellas Verona team. So Richard, Banda, Luca, and Gonja, that's our front three on this team. Yeah, uh, all three of the players are uh, been, been having really good seasons so far this year. Obviously, uh, starting with Luca, you know, we talked about him today, how he had that nice goal, wonderful. And so the goal he made, like, today or just today the goal he made this weekend uh for Udinese Samarchis had it made a difficult pass while everyone thought Samarchis was going for the shot he makes a pass kind of across the grain and most young strikers at that point would just take a just take a shot and then you know hope it goes in Luca opens his hips up and then places it away from the grain away from where the keeper's going such a brilliant play it's a difficult play to do uh so he's really good with his feet but he's also really good in the air he's a lanky player he can get stronger and get a little bit better but uh, he's so good in the air. I mean, for yeah. what is he, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, he's a huge guy. and uh, Or at least he plays like that, and he, he can get up there. So he's really good in the air. He's good with his feet. He's mobile enough. Um, I think he he's a player who he may, he just makes it over the, the likes of like Christovic uh, or or, uh, or Piccoli uh, because he's he came out of nowhere, really. Those other guys you kind of knew about already. And, um, well, we didn't even know about Christovic, but yeah. I mean, yeah. but go ahead. No, no, yeah, I was gonna say that uh, I think Luca is a player who gets a little fills out to his body a little bit more. He could be, you know, uh, I'm not gonna say Luca Tony because Luca Tony wasn't as mobile. I think it's he has the aerial ability, possibly uh, reaching a Luca Tony level. I'm not gonna put that much pressure on him, but he's got a lot of skill set that he hasn't even tapped yet, and he's starting a little taste of it. He's obviously got the composure to score goals, as we've seen with Udinese this year, six goals. That's pretty impressive, I think. Uh, and then look at the two wingers, Banda and Ngonj. I think Ngonj is obviously a no commodity for us, at least we've been banging the drum for him for the last couple of seasons. He is uh, so fast, so pacey. He knows how to beat a trap. You rarely see him catch get caught off sides. He just knows how to, reach, to, to beat that trap. Uh, good with the ball at his feet. He can create plays for, by himself. He can uh, link up with his teammates very well. Uh, Ngonj uh, is a player I see is going to be moving on very quickly from, from Hellas. I, you know, I, I can see him with any of the seven sisters, honestly. Uh, he would be a compliment in the, in the depth department for any of those teams. He's, he's got a nose for goal. He can assist plays. Um, he backtracks very well also, so it's somebody you need to watch. And Banda as well. Banda is very versatile. He can play in either wing, like you mentioned. Um, to have a player that you can swap on any side, you know, when – a player that you can move around, it could, it could just give nightmares to the defenses. You think you got him shut down on one side, he just moves on to the other side and, and, and scores a goal. Um, Lookman has did a little bit of that with with Atalanta, um, and then uh, Traore even did that with Sassuolo for a bit before he left. Um, but Banda is got a powerful shot on him. He's super pacey, um, knows how to find those open spots and, and get on the end of passes, and links up very well with his strikers and his team members. So Banda is uh, of the three, probably the most accomplished at the moment i guess i can say uh, and going mm-hmm. up there too but uh, all three of these guys are guys to look out for and you know any you could take any of the lecce guys really banda included uh and throw them in there they they just have a uh such a versatile and imposing attack i uh, wish their defense is better but uh mm-hmm. yeah banda has been one of the best players i think for lecce this season yeah agreed agreed 
I'm with you. I, Banda, I think, fits right into a, a Maurizio Sarri's Lazio. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be a beautiful spot for a guy like him. Uh, and Gonje, for that matter, would fit into that team too, uh, you know, as, as a winger and with some of the characteristics that Saudi likes in those in that role. Um, you know, so Roma. uh, Roma's a little tougher for me with the way they play with with okay. with how they got Lukaku situated and Dybala. It's just slightly off for me, um, no. you know, but uh, I, I it, let's just say that fit might have potential is probably okay. the way, way I would say it. Um, Honorable on this, Almfist, we talked about. Luvumbo of uh, Cagliari, who we, we, we mentioned earlier. Uh, Lewis Ferguson's having a great season at Bologna. Yeah. Probably kind of known already. We talked about Goodmundson. Uh, Rimi Udan for the midfield uh, for Lecce. He's been kind of a creative player through midfield for Lecce this season. Uh, a little bit older, though, I think, is what probably kept him off this list. He's 27. And then Buongiorno, um, we, we, he kind of made a name for himself to help Italy qualify for the Euros already. So... Um, but, uh, make no mistake. I think Bongiorno finds his way on a better team, you know, at some point. So that's kind of what we had for the honorables there. And now we get to the business. We picked our own, we each picked our own, uh, squadra finora. So Richard, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to sit back and see if I can poke holes at your team here. All righty. Uh, well, as we normally do with our best 11s, uh, both midseason and finals, whoever's leading the, the standings, we use that formation. So this year, it is Inter. Inter and Juventus use similar, similar formations, but we're going with Inter since they're leading the table with a 3-5-2. Um, it's, you know, the the players you ought to know, that team had one of every team. This best 11 is probably going to have a majority of a couple teams only, right? But uh, it is the way it is the season, right? Uh, so my best 11 in goal, Jan Sommer, um, a player I've known for a very long time, playing the Bundesliga with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, stepped into City uh, like a glove. He's stepped into the defense like a glove. He's just a phenomenal keeper that continues to do it at his age. Uh, and he's had, what, I don't know how many shutouts. I've lost track of how many shutouts he has this year. He's been so, so phenomenal. Uh, and there in goal, uh, with me, the back three, I am going to go Danilo. Gleason Bremer and Francesco Acerbi. I think um, hmm. this was difficult for me because the, the defense, there's a lot of good people I could put in there. Um, some honorable mentions, what I'll mention later. It was, it was This is one of the toughest positions for me to fill, I think. Uh, but I like Danilo and Bremer. I thought the, really the back three of Juventus, they've been phenomenal this year. Uh, really yeah. stepped up this season to really challenge uh, Inter. Uh, so I think, you know, Bremer was a no-brainer for me. He was uh, one of the best defenders of the year. I think Danilo had a really great year this year for me. I, I like Gatti as well, but I didn't put Gatti in this. I think Acherby has having a fantastic year as well. I almost put Bastoni in there as well because Bastoni is having a great year. Uh, but I, I went with two Juventus, one Inter, and the back three. Uh, my midfield five. So I'll start with the three in the middle. Hakan Cholinolo is my regista. Uh, phenomenal year. He's caught into another level. And it's hard saying this as a player who used to play for Milan, right? But mm-hmm. you know you gotta you gotta give him his credit. He's got he stepped into that Regista role like a glove. Uh, he his, his tackling ability is phenomenal. He can he obviously has the vision, the passing, the shooting ability. Uh, this year he's been perfect from the from the penalty kick position. So Hakan is Regista, uh, and then I'm going to a couple Juventino Juventinos there. I'm going with uh, Weston McKinney and Rabio. I think both of those mm. gentlemen have had fantastic years. Rabio is just continuing to have a, a a big year after the World Cup. He's just continuing to go on and go on. Uh, he's really been one of the best midfielders, if not the best midfielder for Juventus. He sets up plays. He can, 
he obviously has defensive abilities. He's great in the air, great footwork. Uh, but Weston McKinney is the uh, the energizer bunny for this team. He's most a versatile player. He can he's a box to box, but he can play right wing back. He can play right wing. He can get into the box and play attack if he needs to. He can play any position you need. As Juventus, Juventus fans have seen this year, he can score goals. He's getting the box. He should have had probably a goal against Roma. Uh, mm-hmm. Got set up beautifully against Mykosic. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's been one of the best. Quietly been one of the best midfielders for Juventus this season, in my opinion, and probably even last year. Uh, and he doesn't get enough credit as he does. Rabio usually gets all the limelight in the midfield there, but McKenny deserves a lot. So that's my midfield three with the two wingbacks. Federico DeMarco, I mean, he is a no-brainer for me. He's the best left back in the league. Uh, yeah. Tejonet is having a low year, but what, what DeMarco has done this year, that goal from midseason was or mid midfield, fantastic. He's just a, he's a big game player too. He has inter- written all over him. He's black and blue from in, within his, in his blood. Uh, such a great player. He's getting better defensively as well. Uh, so he's all around, you know, best left back for me. And then right back, I could swap McKenny in and out with this position with his next player because this next player, his best games have been against the best teams in the league. And I'm talking about Antonio Candreva. Yes, Salernitana. Uh, Candreva, four goals, four assists this season. He's the only bright spot for Salernitana this year outside of Ochoa. Um, he can get an assist done. He plays any position you need to in the attack, but mostly he's been playing right wing back and right back. And he, even at his ripe old age of what, 36, 37, he's yeah. still getting it done. He's still getting it done. And in the best games, the biggest games, he shows up as he beat Milan uh, what, a couple weeks ago. So he's that's my midfield five. And then front two is the no-brainer. It's the inter front two. They're the best yeah. in the league. Uh, Lautaro and uh, Marcus Taram, they've been phenomenal. They've been perfectly, they fit each other so well. They complement uh, with the pace. The Marcus Taram has the, the the pace and and can beat the back line. Lautaro can play like a big man, even though he's small. They're both great in the air. They're both great in the feet. They just find each other no matter what. Um, and Taram and Lautaro can play with anybody else on that team, but they fit, they play with each other so well. And they, they've played like they've been together for, 10 years and they've only been this is only the first season so those two yeah. are by far my first uh, top two uh I, I i i don't hate it i think we've got a couple of uh differences we're probably got th- i've got three different players uh three okay. that are different from yours so um i, I i'm with you on the goalkeeper it's jan sommer uh for inter uh he's you know multiple uh, clean sheets, uh, goalkeeper of the best uh, defense in the league when you're looking at goals conceded per match. Um, my honorable there is Pietro Terracciano, Fiorentino, who's having an yep. excellent season yep. uh, for the Viola. We already talked about Di Gregorio from Monza. Uh, so my back three, I'm with you on Francesco Acerbi for Inter. I think he's been just excellent this season. I think Bremer for Juventus, I think he's been the best defender in this league uh, this season. Uh, but where I differ with you, I'm going to give the nod to Sam Boykema of Bologna yeah. over at Danilo. Um, I think he's been an instrumental part. Again, Bologna has done it with defending, um, and uh, he has been a big part of that since coming over from the Air Divisie. I mean, he, what other league can you get the kind of on-the-job training and tactical know-how and things like that? And Boykema has just bought right into it, played really well you know, certainly needs to be in the Netherlands plans uh, here in the yeah. future if he isn't already. Yeah. You know, the right wing back position, I just racked my brain and I considered the Kondreva thing and and thought, okay, not a bad idea. Um, four goals and four assists for what's been a very bad Salernitana team. I thought about some guys that I could try to pull out of position because I want my team to be functional. Yeah. 
So Giovanni Di Lorenzo makes it because I still think he's the best right back slash right wing back in this league. For everything that's gone wrong with Napoli this season, at least Di Lorenzo has been a constant. Okay. Okay. There are some moments where he has certainly taken his roastings and things like that, but you know, certain fullbacks and that's just the state of fullbacks and wingbacks in this league. They all have. Yeah. Um, But uh, until I'm shown otherwise, now Michael Coyote could have made this spot. Nearly made it for um, me, yes, and uh, and was was damn sure close to getting in there, um, you know, but I put him in the, uh, you know, I guess I could have put him in two teams. I could have put him in the, you uh, you better know, uh, you better know them eleven, and did put them, uh, you know, put him in this team here. Um, you know what? On the fly, this is my team. I get to do whatever the damn whatever I damn well want. Giovanni Di Lorenzo is out. Give me, my, I'm putting Michael Coyote in there. There it is. There it is. Okay. Michael Coyote, unprecedented, makes two teams. Now, I mean, we've only had squad you know, and crap on a cracker. So if you made both of those teams, uh, that's probably not good. That'd be um, impressive. So <laughs> let me put Michael Coyote there at, at, from Fiorentina. Okay. Just because I think that functionally it works. He's performed extremely well. Yeah. Um, he's been a, a big part of why Fiorentina have been so successful. So I dropped Di Lorenzo into my honorable mentions. Um so, so there you have it. So he's my right wing back. I'm, you know, uh, going into the midfield, I am with you on Adrian Rabio. I think he's been outstanding in the midfield for Juventus. Can play any one of those three positions in the midfield yeah. for them. Also, can deputize in a wing back role. Uh, like the versatility, like the goal, like the goal scoring, like the little bit of everything that he can do. Uh, Hakan Chalinolu just gets better and better. Um, does, does. You know, and now he's playing in a more deeper lying position, and he's proving that he's got the ability to handle it. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a master stroke on the part of Simone Inzaghi to, to see that he's a fit in that position. Yeah. You had McKinney. I'm going to take Matias Sula of Frosinone okay. in my like squad. Um, yeah. I, you know, scoring goals, creating goals, been a big, big part. Um, this is <laughs> what's George saying. This is my damn team. Oh, he's quoting me. He's quoting um, you. okay. So Matias Sula of Frosinone, uh, been the you know Frozenoni has been a surprise this season, and Sula has been a huge part of that. And then the front two, you can't get past Lotaro um, and Turam. So, yeah. um, so I have six interplayers in my team, but with good reason. You have six interplayer teams in your as well. They've been fantastic. They're in first. They have scored forty two goals in eighteen games. They're the best defense in the league on top of it. So they should be that well represented. So um, so that's the team that I've picked. Uh, I'll do it again. Somer in goal, back three of Boykema, Bremer, and Acerbi, right wing back Coyote, midfield of Sula, Chalinolu, Rabio, DiMarco left wing back, and then Lotaro and Marcus Turam up front. Uh, my bench, Christian Pulisic of Milan, uh, six goals, four assists, uh, been a big, big part. Matteo Politano's having his best season at Napoli. I wanted to make sure that he got some recognition for this. Um, Alessandro Bastoni uh, for Inter certainly gets in there. Should mention Henrik Mkhitaryan because he's been really good as well. Yep. You can just you can say the whole you can say the whole starting eleven for Inter really. Yeah. Uh, Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo. I like how Aderson of Atalanta continues to progress. Yep. Zerzi of Bologna deserves recognition. Fatatelia has started to come on uh, and has kind of crept his way back into this, and Di Lorenzo of Napoli for that matter. Uh, and then some other guys, Candrevo, Salernitana. We talked about Terciano at Fiorentina. 
Uh, and then I'll round it up. Paulo Dybala at Roma has only played 12 games, but also has a combined 10 goals and assists. That, yeah, can you phenomenal. imagine where Roma would be if he was fit and had a, and fit and been yeah. able to take on a full workload? Yeah. Uh, and then Jack Bonaventura deserves a, deserves a place um, in my honorable mentions. I think he's been very impactful for Labiola. I, I agree with your honorable mentions 100%. I'm going to add a couple more for to yours. Uh, Ficayo Tamori has been the best defender for Milan this season, I think. Sure. There'd be nowhere yeah. without him. Uh, who else did you not mention? Um, you mentioned Politano, but Chiesa. Chiesa is a player, I think, who, when healthy, he's going to be phenomenal. But even right now, he's linking up with, with um, Vlahovic very well. He's still an X factor. You can see in those Juventus games, no one knows how to figure him out and stop him. Uh, if he can stay healthy, my goodness, he's going to be something special, you know, even more so for the long run. Long run, I'm talking about for Juventus and the Azzurri. So good, uh, he's on my list. Uh, who else? Copani, Andrea Copani, yeah. another uh, Monza player, phenomenal player. Uh, he's he nearly made my best eleven, um, and didn't make our. He's kind of a no commodity now, I guess, right? But uh, he's a player who's been having an excellent season. And then also, I would mention uh, Goodmanson. We talked about him in the uh, the youth team uh, player, but uh, Goodmanson has been um, uh, fantastic for Genoa at times when they thought they're going to rely on some other players on the team. Goodmanson's been the one carrying the load for them, and then now the rest of the team is kind of getting getting to where they need to be. But uh, Goodmanson continues to provide uh, game in and game out. It seems like uh, all the results. He's a set piece guy as well. He's good on the counter attacks. He, uh, he, he good on the press. He is a phenomenal striker who has a high ceiling. So yeah, that's a uh, honorable mentions, and then. Um, I see you, I am Pasquale. Uh, we, we did talk about uh, Buchanan, uh, the Canadian going to Inter. Uh, it should be a great um, depth player for them. I, I love the signing. It's a cheap player yeah. for them. Uh, it's a it's no-lose situation for them. And I think the, the talent that he brings to them, and we kind of talked about this last week, uh, it's going to serve them well. It's a great system to learn under Simone Inzaghi. Look at Jan Basek has all of a sudden become here in the last couple of weeks. He's kind of really blossomed. I expect it's going to be a slow process for Buchanan, but once he gets in the fold, you know he'll be ready. Inzaghi won't play you unless you're ready. So uh, I think he's in the right situation to go to Inter, and uh, you know, good for to see a North American over there in, in, in Italy as well. So uh, happy about that. Yep, yep. Excellent. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Pasquale is asking, saying, Di Gregorio, top goalie so far. Yeah, he's been an excellent goalie. We put him in our You Better Know Them 11, so I'm glad you know him. Um, so um, so, so he made it. I, and I think another guy, we, we, we hinted about him earlier, Federico Gatti will have his day. He's been very good. I mean, it's yep. just, I think it just speaks. And I mean, we, we were talking about a lot of defenders here, Richard, but you, like again, we said it right now. The league is only averaging 2.47 goals per game. It's down. Yeah. And it's down roughly a half a goal compared to what we've been used to the last couple of seasons. And yeah. I think that's because there's so many good defenders. And then when you're doing a squadra finora in the formation that Simone of, of Simone and Sagi since enters first, you can only pick three. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that you can make a shout for anybody that we mentioned here. Um, because they've they've all been they've all been that good. You could pick so. the entire back three of Juventus or the back three of Inter. And we sure. couldn't fight you. We couldn't fight you on that because they're, they're yeah. all three, all six of them have been good. You know. Yep. But I felt Boykema in in particular also deserved some yep. mention in this conversation for how he's played for Bologna. So, 100%. Um, so yeah, so some some very interesting conversations, and I hope this sparks some discussion and some debate here. Uh, you know, over the next few days until we rejoin you guys. Uh, you know, a week from now. So our Squadra Finora there, uh, Richard Squadra Finora, the You Better Know Them 11. Um, it's, uh, you know, 
Uh, we've, we've, we've nailed it. Crap on a cracker comes at the end of the season. We don't do a midseason one. Yep. Uh, we want a full 38 game sample of just piss poor football uh, from players. So that's, that's, that's going to come later in the season. So yep. I think that covers everything, Richard. We can move on now to the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for who won Calcio Twitter. Boom. All right. Starting things off, we're going Joe Fischetti. So the original tweet was from Calcio e Finanza, and it's uh, it's saying Orsato might be going to Saudi Arabia with a max offer, and there's a chance he may bid farewell to the league. So Joseph Fischetti, friend of the show, commented, say, I've never wanted a transfer to Saudi Arabia or Pro League more than I want this one. <laughs> we're all with you, Joseph. We're all with you. Okay. <laughs> All right, now moving on to at Juventus FC English. Uh, what is in Bremer officials' back pocket? All right, keys. We have keys to a Jeep. We got wallet. a wallet. Cell phone. Oh, look, it's Leao in his pocket. And how about a Shaley or Osiman? Oh, he extended 2024 or 2028. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, very cheeky way of Juventus to say that uh, he's been pocketing. He's been fucking the attackers all season long, so it's very well done by Juventus. <laughs> yep. Very well done. All right, moving yep. on. Uh, Michael Lisi, it's uh, the Napoli Scudetto bus lumbers home for the Eternal City after playing Roma. Yeah, <laughs> it's about the shape they were in after that game, wasn't it? Battered and bruised, yes. Yes, 100%. We have a Paris, we have a Paris niche sighting after all this time. Oh, uh, my goodness. Where has he been all this life? Okay, uh, a shitting battle. Mourinho v. Allegri tonight. This was before the Juve Roma game. A a shitting battle. So, yeah, yeah. With a couple of toilets facing each other. Oh, rock yeah. fight there. Savio Falahi comes in and says, uh, "Pioli's Milan when Pioli can get sacked if they lose." And it's prime Brazil with all their superstars. <laughs> it's true. Every time Milan's back is against the ball, Pioli finds something, something extra, and the team plays phenomenal. Uh, as they they beat Tuscolo and they beat Quality this week, so. Uh, but that's twenty oh that's that's twenty oh six Brazil that went out in the uh, quarters to France. This is true. So. This is true. <laughs> All right. So at M eighteen ninety seven, Yildiz might be that dude. He's our Mia Khalifa. The more guys <laughs> to take on the. Better. For those who don't know who she is, porn star. Oh gosh! Oh my goodness! All right, big. Why did I have? Why did I have to read that one? <laughs> Speaking of, uh, oh my gosh, uh, big show is back. So the original tweet was uh, Joe Cappuccino says the duality of style. That's uh, obviously Vlahovic and Chiesa, and uh, big show says both both dress like Elton John in different stages of his career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh, big my. show's getting it done. All right, moving yeah. on. Uh, Art Morelli, time zones are crazy. Australia is in 2024. USA is in 2023. Juventini are in 2020. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Saturnion, you spoke of Paris Nitsch here, Saturnion, and says, Meanwhile, the best wingers in Syria, it's Leao, seven goals and assists, Cavada, eight goals and assists, Chiesa, six goals and assists, Pulisic just chilling, 10 goals and assists. <laughs> I uh, like that one. Okay. And uh, moving on, Martino Puccio. Chaka, congratulations. What a moment for him. Jimenez sends in the dangerous pass and he surpasses CDK in all, the all time Milan scoring list. <laughs> Poor CDK. Poor CDK. <laughs> oh, that's our list. That is our list. Uh, George votes for Mia Khalifa because simply he's a pig. 
we're clean. We're, we're 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 keeping it clean. That was funny, but we can't we can't allow that to be the winner. Yeah, yeah. Oh my! I think we've got. It's one of the first two, I think. Either Juve or Joe Fischetti. I don't know. What do you think? Um. The Mia Khalifa one was funny though. <laughs> it was, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm oh, yeah, not I hear you. I hear you. I'm not having that in my timeline. That's just <laughs> so. Oh, where's that Chiesa one again? Uh, where is it? Uh, there we go. The Satur- Saturnian. Oh no, I was talking with the Big Show one. The Saturnian one's good too, but <laughs> uh, where's Saturnian? Uh, there it is. The shitting battle. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, on that pick, Chiesa looks like bu- bubbles from the trailer park. Oh, I know what show he's talking about. Now <laughs> yeah. let me go back and look at that. Now that he has said that, um, I gotta see this. Hold on. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> he looks like Elton John. I thought it was Elton John in the picture originally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, it looks like a mom. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, I I'm having a, I'm having a tough time with this one. I um, it's Saturnion for me. The shitting battle. No, the Pulisic one. The Pulisic. Oh, the gold. Oh, oh Saturnion. I yeah. get the I get the twins mixed up. <laughs> uh, or is it or is it Parasnitch? Because that's kind of funny too. <laughs> give the brothers the bat. Give the brothers a co-winner. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It's a new year. Start show. We do what we want. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So I got to figure this out. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll put them both up if you want to say some words here to the people. Oh, man. Put me in the spot like that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, first of all, happy new year to everyone. Bonovano. Uh, hopefully everyone had a safe and happy holidays and new years. Um yeah, it's uh, we're back kicking off. We obviously had our awards for tonight to get back into the nitty gritty of things next week. Oh man, uh, trying to think of I got nothing. I got really nothing. It's new year, new year, new me. No, nothing to say. Um, just excited to have Calcio back. Excited to be back home. Uh, yeah, excited for the. Uh, just excited. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. Okay. Um, well, it is a new year. Lots to be excited about. Um, you know, so, uh, but, um, you know, city, uh, certainly, uh, continues to entertain. It didn't entertain in the gold department this past week, but nope. hopefully that'll correct itself. And, um, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting as we go. We gave you some great teams in terms of the awards and where we're at. And, uh, we're, uh, we're excited. We're, we're excited for, for the, uh, for the stretch here in the next 20 match weeks. And, uh, uh, taking it all the way to Italy in the Euros. Italy in a major competition. We get to watch finally this one. We'll be good. So and there's enough time that hopefully the team can get much better than what they were before. Not that they were terrible, but no, yeah. they can do a lot better. Yeah, we shall see. So, uh, so lots to look forward to. And uh, for now, we will uh, put a bow on this edition of City Sit Down. 
we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Run Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever this podcast is. There is City I'll Sit Down. The Twitter handles, you can see it here on the screen, at FTC underscore 21 for me, at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N for Richard. Um, at City I'll Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Check in with us there. Uh, also on Facebook as well. Those are the socials. Uh, com. We still have that website. That should be up there, shouldn't it, Richard? Uh, yes, we do. We do. And I uh, know I've never heard Adani from Bobo TV, but that's funny. I know who you're talking about. Yep. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, um, now, now where was I? Uh, if you are watching this for the first time on our YouTube channel, uh, please subscribe. Uh, please drop a like and then also hit that notification bell because that will give you the heads up when we go live. Again, generally, we are live on our YouTube channel Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, unless a schedule flip happens or a guest puts us in a situation where we go on a different night. We do the best we can and we will go through the Twitter machine to let you know if there's a change and we try to give you as much notice as possible. So be nimble on your feet with that. Um, and that's it. Chat, thank you. Some of you guys were late. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I don't know what your excuses were. The hangover, the hangover, hangover day was yesterday. We gave you a grace period. So Could have didn't help me, right? Didn't help me tonight. Yeah, we expect you all to be on time next time. George and Pasquale <laughs> and Reno and, and Dominic. Anthony was here. So anyway. Um, <laughs> so, well, but thank you guys all the same for showing up and uh, and, and giving your takes. So yeah. uh, great show as always. Richard, ready to do it again next Tuesday night? Next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. All right. Eastern. We will see you all then. Until that time, for Richard, I'm Frank. Make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Secondo me sei mezzo